Every morning, we rise to meet the day. And every morning, we return, as the tradition teaches, to life after a brief period of tasting death. Naturally, our first prayer uttered day in and day out, as we awaken from our slumber, is thank you. Mode ani. Mode, or as many of you will hear in it, the word toda. Toda, thank you, modani means I thank you. The word, though, the word toda has other meanings. And it is in its other meanings that it connects very deeply with what's happening here tonight and tomorrow. We're told that the word for confession in Hebrew, vidui, what we just did, al-chayt, al-chayt, ashamnu, bagadnu. The word vidui and toda are connected. In essence, the word toda or moda means I admit, or I submit, or I allow. There's a well-known teaching from the Alter Rebbe, the first Rebbe of Lubavitch, who said that every morning when we wake up, we say moda ani because not only does moda mean confession, it also means in Talmudic language, I give in, you win. Anyone who's ever studied Talmud knows modim chachamim the rabbi meir, modim. The rabbis gave in, they surrendered, they were in a debate. And they said, you know, modim anachnu, you, you win. So the Alter Rebbe said that whenever we wake up in the morning, the first thing that we say is modim, modani, because we know that later on in the day we're all going to be fighting. Wow, I can't, I, I didn't, that wasn't for a laugh. That's amazing. <laughs> Modim, thank you, means you're right. We haven't even started the day yet, and we're already saying, you know, God, you're right. I don't know about you, but I was blown away by this teaching for a simple reason, is that I'm, and still am, an athlete. And for me to imagine surrendering before I even get into a fight or even compete, so counterintuitive. I want to get into it. I want to fight. Let's compete. Every day, perhaps many times a day, we are confronted by our resistance to love, or what we call God. We will lose our spaciousness and then fight mightily to keep ourselves from letting compassion and loving kindness in. We are in the Rebbe's language in a fight with God. The words moda'ani or thank you therefore mean I let love win. More than any other human need, perhaps even more than food and shelter, we human beings, born of other human beings, nurtured by and connected to them, need to touch one another. We know studies that show that human infants deprived of touch wither and die. We need to stay connected and to acknowledge our interdependence and love in order to live in a sacred way.
Think about your own life, everybody. The times that you have deeply touched another person and what that has meant to you. It is not with our righteousness or our ideas necessarily that we solve the ills of the whole world, but with the power of our kindness and our capacity to be intimate with each other. By seeing through the veils of our stories and dramas, we come to know one another's pain and sorrow. The poet Mary Oliver wrote beautifully in her classic poem, Wild Geese, you do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscapes, over the prairies and the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese, high in the clean blue air, are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, she writes, the world offers itself to your imagination, calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over and over, announcing your place in the family of things. Tell me about your despair and I will tell you mine. I love that. Compassion, as the word suggests, meaning come with and passion to suffer with is that singular quality of heart that has the power to transform resentment into forgiveness, hatred into lonely, into friendliness, anger into loving kindness. It is that most precious quality of our being that allows us to extend warmth, sensitivity, and openness to the world and to ourselves rather than being burdened by prejudice, hostility, and resistance. It's a quality much more profound than pity. It is a deep, heartfelt caring for the dignity, well-being, and integrity of every single life in our world, from the smallest creature to the most powerful person. Compassion arises naturally, everyone, in our hearts. In the face of pain, whether it is our own or another's. The compassionate heart holds the pain and the sorrow of our life and all of God's children with mercy and tenderness. It is this tender heart that has the power to transform the whole world. And no being is exempt from compassion, for no being is exempt from pain. In moments of suffering and death, sickness and loss, it is not prescriptions or formulas not advice that we yearn for. Ultimately, you and I, all of us, are healed by the loving presence of another. I remember a particularly dark and bleak period in my life. I had just finished almost four years of ultra-Orthodox training in Flatbush, and I had become extremely depressed.
Notwithstanding the humor of that, it was a very dark period. <laughs> Things became so bleak that I barely left my room. And the person that I had been was no longer present. My family didn't recognize me. They were worried, they were concerned. Conversations were being had behind closed doors. What happened to David? He's not himself. And I remember that the only thing that got me through that period, and tell me if this, can, if this resonates with you, there was one person and one thing that got me through that dark time. Every morning, every morning, for eight months, my sister, my best friend, left me little notes on my door. Good morning, David. We love you. Good morning, David. Modani. Let love win today. Let love win. I still have those little notes. I had pay us at the time, so there was a little stick figure with these little curly cues. <laughs> the greatest of human arts, which is kindness, is really, in the end, quite simple. And yet with it comes tremendous things. Integrity and dignity for ourselves and for others. Love is not for cowards. It is not a weakness, but a great strength. At times in our own pain and difficulty, we may feel unable to bring even enough compassion to hold ourselves, let alone reach out to another. And yet, life continues to present us with countless moments that call for us to find greater and greater depths of compassion. The compassion that is needed may come from mysterious and unexpected sources, at times often in fact, we may lose touch with compassion in our busyness, our ambition, our pride, and then suddenly discover it again when we fall and are picked up by a kind word or a loving glance. It is always very simple. A touching of our heart and those around us with kindness, seeing them as if for the last moment, forgiving what has disappointed us, and committing to love again fully. This insight helps us to understand a very odd element of Yom Kippur, which many of you have picked up on already. The Mishnah in Masechet Ta'anit says, the two greatest days of joy in the Jewish calendar are Tu Be'av, the 15th day of the month of Av, which everyone knows in Israel as, anybody know? Yom Ahava, the day of love, and Yom Kippur. Forgiveness is letting love win. Letting love win is what Yom Kippur is all about. We let love win when we let love in. This last story that I'd like to share with you is an amazing story, one that was told by Archbishop Desmond Tutu. In 2004, while speaking on forgiveness at the University of British Columbia, the story is that Desmond Tutu was presiding over 
the TRC in South Africa, those of you who don't know what that is, the TRC is and was a commission set up by South Africans who were, where victims and perpetrators could tell their stories of gross human rights violations under apartheid government of South Africa. The TRC provided a forum where perpetrators could seek amnesty and victims could begin a process of forgiveness. His own words now, there was something called the Bisho massacre, 30 and 40 people were killed, 200 injured, and there was a public hearing in a huge hall. The room was packed to the rafters with angry people, many of whom were either injured at that, in at that incident or they had lost loved ones. Four officers had shot and killed people as they came in. You could feel the tension in the room as they walked in together. They came and they sat over there, he said, on the stage, and we said we're in the middle. One of the officers, a white officer, the three other were black, got up and said, yes, we gave the orders to shoot. The temperature shot up in the room, tension so thick you could cut it with a knife. And then he said, please forgive me. Please forgive these three of my colleagues and receive them back into the community. Tutu continues, now you would have thought this would, the hall would have erupted with anger. You, you know, yelling and screaming. But you know what the audience did? They applauded. Incredible. They applauded. And when the applause subsided, I said, let's keep a moment's silence because we are in the presence of something holy. We are standing here on holy ground. We ought to be taking off our shoes like Moses did. Compassion, everyone, is not a future goal. It's not something to happen next week or the week after. It's something that we can practice today and tomorrow as we work with the discomfort of long services, of no eating. There are no distractions to compassion, nothing to take us out of what is happening every moment. And you will have your souls be uncomfortable. The rabbis say the word initem, suffering, also means your soul's answer. Let your souls answer. And so, as we spend the next 25 hours together in the discomfort of fasting, I wonder if we can each remember to close our eyes and check where our heart is. I wonder if we can collectively create a container, a safe space that will allow us to do the simple but difficult work of forgiveness together. As we spend the next 25 hours together in the discomfort of fasting, I wonder if we can close our eyes and look back over the last year or even further back and find two things that we feel happy about having done. And even if you were to die today, you would know they were absolutely good. And when you see them, discover, as every person does, how simple they were the moments when we were there for another person to say, I love you, to touch their pain with kindness, the courage and the simple power to be truly present with another person. These are the moments that matter in our lives. And as we spend the next 25 hours 
In the discomfort of fasting, we may want to ask ourselves where the possibilities of healing reside in our own relationships. Ask ourselves without judgment, but with kindness and softness, where are we holding resentment, prejudice, and anger in our hearts? Can we let it go? And if we can't let it go, can we at least touch it with compassion? Can we let the natural radiance of our own compassionate energy touch our hearts? As we spend the next 25 hours together, may Yom Kippur as a day of forgiveness and a day of returning to love offer each of us the opportunity to soften our hardened hearts, to soften our defensive posturing against the world, to search our inner and outer lives for areas where winning our fights has us losing our love. May we have the strength to surrender, to admit defeat, and let love win. <laughs>